This is a Colored Pencil Podcast, session number 66. We have a tendency to give so much importance to talent. Oh, I'm not talented enough. Oh, look how talented he is, how talented somebody else is. But really, uh, talent to me is overrated. Hard work it's one of the most important factors in art, as it is in any other aspect of life. Welcome to Sharpened Artist, a colored pencil podcast where we discuss in detail all things in and around colored pencils and the colored pencil artist. And now your hosts, Lisa Clow and John Middick. Hello, my name is John Middick, and I'm joined by my co-host Lisa Clow of Lockery Fine Art. Lisa, what is new with you? <laughs> You're I getting don't know more, what to more say to you anymore. Awkward. You're you're not sure what I'm going <laughs> to say awkward. anymore, huh? You had to throw in the end awkward, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, you're like I'm kind of afraid of what her answer is going to be, so I'll just I, I just don't want to make you feel uncomfortable. You? And I know if I say hi, sometimes I do that. So, well, did you answer? I don't even know if you answered. I say it was good enough. This is moving along. This is a show about colored pencil, where we plant the seed with our weekly feed. So, Lisa, who are we <laughs> did talking you to today? Just say that. I did. <laughs> Come on, you love it. Okay. Today we are talking to an amazing artist. I've been such a huge fan of hers, Esther Roy. Yeah, now this, I feel like we need a drum roll here. This has been so long awaited. People have uh, have asked us to talk to her for s- so long. So finally it's here. Esther, thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate you taking the time to talk with us and come on the show. Well, it's my pleasure. I'm just so happy to be here. John and Lisa, I'm a fan of your podcast, and you have the best personalities to listen to. You know, you're so informative and entertaining at the same time, and I hope I... I hope I can do justice to the level. <laughs> oh. Well, thank, thank you. Thank you very oh, much for fun. the compliments. And there is an awesome write-up on you, Esther, in the 2016 Color Pencil Magazine. If you haven't been able to read that yet or get a, get your hands on a copy of that, I would really highly recommend that. I love this. This is like um, about six pages. Oh, this. yes, yes. I'm this is really that, that was, that was really a, great. A, great, a great article. I loved it, and I was happy to to be to have been involved in the project. So yeah. it was exciting, yes. So talk to us about what you were doing before you – started doing colored pencil. Yes. Um, I've always wanted to be an artist, like many of us. But um, it's, it's a process that took a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, in Italy, I, I had some art education in high school for five years. I studied art history, design, and drawing. And um, when I came to the United States, I, I took three years of art and... Uh, graphic arts and eventually that's what I started doing I did not work as a graphic artist for a long time just a few years because after that 
I started raising a family. <laughs> mm-hmm. So that took um, all my energy. And um, I would only do some oil painting occasionally on weekends, but never really took it very seriously. I knew that at the right time, I would get back to my art. But in the meantime, my children were my priority. And I really don't regret, you know, having done that. I still had time to enjoy, you know, art as a hobby back then. Mm. But eventually, you know, the right time came about 10 years ago. And that's how long I've been doing color pencil. When I decided to uh, become a a full-time artist, Mm -hmm. I basically went from zero to 100 in one day. (laughs) Which which meant that I wasn't doing much art, and then all of a sudden, Monday morning, I started doing art eight <laughs> hours a day, and I, I've still been doing that. Not not art, just art, art and yeah. art business, uh, mm-hmm. and I've been been doing that for the last ten years. So, um, why did I not continue with oil? I I wanted a practical medium back then. And uh, I'd used uh, color pencils uh, in school. I happened to have a a set of Prismacolor left over from college. Actually, back then, they were called Barrel. That's what Mm -hmm. they were called. And uh, what's interesting is that I knew exactly what I wanted to do with the pencil, even even though I had never tried them before. But I knew that I wanted to achieve that burnished look that sometimes is described as uh, color pencil painting. So uh, I, that's it. That's what I started to do. It worked really well uh, for me. I I tend to have a heavy hand and I was enamored with uh, um, Gary Green's art. Mm-hmm. You know, back 10 years ago, I think he was doing just burnishing, and I just loved the finish of his art. And soon after, about probably into my third drawing, I started experimenting with heats right away. I, you know, I, I'm the kind of person that I, I always experiment mm-hmm doesn't matter what I'm doing. It can be art. It can be gardening. It can be something else. And, and so I, I asked myself, well, what, what, these, are col- these color pencils are wax-based. And I wonder what would happen if I used heat with it. So I took a large flat pan. I put it upside down over the stove. And I put my paper on top, and I started scribbling, and that was my first experience. And right away, I knew there was something to it. And a week afterwards, I had built my first prototype, and that was made with uh, a rubber foot warmer that I found on the Internet. Oh, interesting. Yes, and uh, uh, it was um, uh, covered with a piece of masonite, and, and I worked with that for quite a long time until uh, the first real Icarus prototype. So um, I, I wasn't thinking about starting a business. It just happened. Mm-hmm. I, I was going to uh, the color pencil chapters, uh, the local chapters, and mm-hmm. uh, people looked at my art and they asked me, well, how do you do that? Well, I, I use heat 
And they said, well, how? So I started giving demonstrations with my rubber foot warmer. <laughs> I was really That's funny. interesting. Yeah. Yes, and, and the whole the whole room smelled like rubber after a while. I mean, my, <laughs> my family was so sick of it because I didn't have a separate studio, so I was working basically from either in the kitchen or in my bedroom. And, um, yes, that was very annoying, the smell. But uh, <laughs> What made you decide to do that rather than, like, use a, a heat gun or a blow dryer or something like that? What What made you, you know, go in that direction, like the pan on top of the stove? I mean, that's yeah. so clever. And, and, and the foot warmer. And, I don't know that it's clever as much as it's just offbeat. I never even thought about mm. using mm-hmm. a... Um, anything else okay i went oh wait a second i want something something that warms up the paper but you know i was thinking well actually no i wasn't thinking that i could warm up the the paper from (laughs) from the from the top you know the top yeah yeah Yeah, yeah. that's what i'm getting at i guess right so um i don't know that was the closest thing to me this i was working in the kitchen i had the stove there oh gotcha (laughs) yep yep so that's it. And I, and it was enough to give me an idea. Hmm, there's something here. I really need to to dwell into it and see what I can do. Mm-hmm. And then that was it. Basically, I've never worked without heat except for the first three drawings. And uh, after I, I did those demonstrations, uh, I really was asked by artist, Esther, if you... If you produce something like that, we would buy it. And so that started, you know, something in my head. And I had no intention of going into business, but I am fortunate to have a husband who's an electrical engineer and has experience in business and especially in introducing new products Mm -hmm. to the market. And so I suggested it to him. And after a while, we decided to go ahead and, and try it. That was the beginning. It took uh, about a year and a half to really go from that idea to an actual, an actual product. Mm-hmm. It was a long journey. <laughs> that that's really now, neat. While we're talking about the product, yes, just a few questions because I have people ask me, and I've not used it, so I don't know. So yes. I'm really excited to be able to ask the inventor herself. Oh. What would you suggest? Do these work well for people who are primarily using wax or, I'm sorry, oil-based pencils? Because we know they all have wax in them. So do polychromos no. work well on this or just really prisms? I, and- I, no, I, I say if you, if you primarily use uh, oil-based pencil, I don't think this is worth it. Gotcha. Uh, I know. I do use several colors from polychromos, from Lyra from different types of um, oil-based, but I always use them on top of a wax-based layer. At that point, when you have your wax underneath, then the oil base is affected by the wax, and it behaves almost like a wax-based pencil. Yes, if you're only using oil-based pencil exclusively, this is not the product for you. I, I wouldn't suggest that you go through the expense of of this product. So let me ask you something then yes. regarding that. I mean, is there a real steep learning curve then with somebody if they are 
only using oil-based pencils, and then they want to switch over to wax and start using the Icarus board, what would you say would be some uh, some benefits to to doing this? I mean, you're able to speed up the process, right? I mean, what are Not some other things? Not all the process. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, this is one thing. You, you know, okay. you speed up the process, you can work faster. But really, you can manipulate uh, the waxy pigment in a way that you could never do without heat. For example, um, you see my art. Uh, there's a lot of going on, you know, lots of colors, you know, right. lots of uh, visual effects. But I achieve those in three layers, never more than three. I know that normally you can achieve that type of look by layering a lot more. Hmm. Interesting. Definitely yeah. interesting. Uh, yes. And just going back to the oil-based pencils, mm-hmm. why would you switch from oil to uh, wax-based pencil? First of all, uh, to an artist who's thinking about doing that, I say use wax-based pencils without heat first. And familiarize yourself with the difference because they're very different yeah. one from the other. Then... If you like a really saturated look, if you like a painterly look, if you like a burnished look, then yes, that would be your tool. That tool will facilitate what you're doing, which saves you time. It will let you rework dense layers of colors that you cannot do without heat. Uh, you mm-hmm. cannot erase. It's very, very difficult to, re- to erase. But I'm able to rework different colors and add uh, colors on top of each other that you would never imagine you could do. And even when the surface is completely burnished, when you burnish without heat, you get to a certain point that it's very difficult to keep on adding pigment. Correct, right. Yes, but that's where heat comes in. You can keep on adding pigment. See, I really like that possibility right there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like, like I have mentioned to you, I do have the Icarus board, but I have not spent enough time with it to be able to use it properly. I think is one of the problems. Um, and then the other thing is, I I noticed that um, if I was using oil and wax based pencils in the same drawing, mm-hmm. that to your point, I mean, they did sort of they responded differently, and I and I knew that you recommended wax. Uh, to be used anyway. Yes. Definitely. But I, I, I just need more experience with it. Um, yes. Let, let me tell you, I'll be honest with you. There is a long learning curve with the Icarus board. I'm always so surprised by artists that get an Icarus board and in two weeks they finish this magnificent, magnificent piece. I, I was never able to do that. I, for the longest time, I only used Prismacolor color pencil on Stonehenge paper and nothing else. My suggestion to artists is don't experiment with too many different surfaces and too many different combinations of medium at the beginning. First, just familiarize yourself with how the pencil behaves over heat. Mm-hmm. Over low heat, over medium heat, over high heat. Familiarize yourself with that. And it takes a, a, a long, it takes a, some time. And I suggest people to stay there in that spot for at least three months before they start adding 
new colors or a different surface a that they're not used to. It it really it it takes a while to get used to working, but it pays off at the end. It really does. That's mm-hmm. the only thing that I can say. There are times that I say, okay, that's it. I'm not going to work with heat. I'm just going to do this part of this drum without heat. And I do it. And I say, wait a second. I, I cannot do what I was able to do before. <laughs> and I have to go back to heat. And there's just no way. I'm addicted now. So, <laughs> uh, right. It's, it's for me, I'm a very experimental person. That's my nature. And so I love to continuously experiment and add different dimensions and possibilities of what can be done. Lately, for example, I found an incredible way of of combining acrylic with color pencil. And I cannot wait until I... Yes, I I cannot wait until I will make a, a really serious blog post about that because I think that artists will be interested in that. Yeah, that sounds exciting. Mm-hmm. For those who are listening, we'll have a link to Esther's website in the show notes. Make sure you check it out. I'm sitting here. If you hear clicks in the background, it's me looking through her website as, <laughs> as we're talking. But right. she's got some um, great, great blog posts showing you how to use the Icarus board. If you do decide that this is a great product for you, you're not going to feel completely lost. There are some great videos that take you through step by step using these and they're all over at her website so definitely check that out plus she's got a lot of really interesting blog posts anyway so it's definitely a really useful site for artists to look through breaking down my process it's really not my strong point (laughs) Uh, it is so difficult for me I I mean I have some strengths and I'm creative and uh, an original and I think out of the box but uh, when it comes to explaining how I do what I do, um, I, I'm not very good at it. Um, it's, I, I'm not a good teacher, and I want to become a better teacher. I, I sometimes when I when I teach, I, I, I have to squeeze my left brain so hard that that, that I see blood coming out of it. <laughs> <laughs> so difficult for me. This sounds so painful. <laughs> You're talking about your process um, or how you don't stay with one type of process and that it moves or you like to be Mm -hmm. creative and you like to break the rules and change things. Um, And you started out with Stonehenge, correct? Now, how did you um, migrate, I guess, or whatever? How how did you start using – what do you use now? Is it a cradle board or – or is that no, just with the mounting? I, I don't use this. I use a credible board only to mount my. Okay. Artwork. Well, talk to us about what the surf the support is now, and then how you go about your mounting process. I um, I've experimented with basically all the surfaces the one can imagine. I still think that for people who like a smoother surface, Stonehenge is a good choice. Because, yes, it's smooth, but it's not so smooth that really uh, everything stays on the surface. Mm -hmm. Actually, there's one side of Stonehenge that has a little more fibers than the other, and that's a perfect size to use with the Icarus board. Stonehenge is a good place to start. On the other hand, the trick to use heat is you have to have a lot of pigment down. Yes, you can start with not too much pigment and then build it up. But the more pigment down you have, the better 
it works. The more malleable color pencil becomes, and it, it just works to its best. I use a low heat setting when I put down my first layer. My first layer is basically a blocking in the main colors. Okay. And covering everything, but not burnishing. Mm-hmm, right. So that's, that's my first layer. Okay. Uh, the second layer, that's when I start to burnish and create all the different effects and nuances of colors, of lights and darks. And the third part is when I detail and clean up. That's it. It's not even a layer, the third. Okay. So. And you're using that, uh, the NeoColor um, and, crayon? Yeah, some, sometimes I do and... Lately, I've been using acrylic. I've done a lot right, of work right. with crayons. Now, again, as we were saying about the surface, Stone Ages mm-hmm. is a good place to start. But a surface that has a tooth is a much better place to be. But it's something that if you're not used to, it really takes some time to get used to it. There's different reasons why that tooth uh, is important to, uh, for me, for example. Uh, and the tooth that I'm talking about, I have a really specific one that I like. I like to work on our spectrum color fix super tooth board. And that is a very heavy watercolor paper that it's been primed uh, with the uh, super tooth um, primer. Mm. It's, a, it's a very interesting uh, surface to work with. And it's, it gives me a lot of freedom. There is another surface that's made by our Spectrum Color Fix. It's a coated pastel paper. That's a, a, a tooth that has less grittiness. And I did use that for a while, but I find that the, the one with the, the heavy texture is my favorite one. So that's my favorite texture I work now. And the other one, which I use for large work, is canvas. The canvas that I like is called Caravaggio Extra Fine. It's a cotton canvas, acrylic primed, and I prime it even more with several layers of gesso and then several layers of uh, our Spectrum Color Fix Primer. You mount these after. I've seen how they're mounted on your you yeah. the cradle board. Yes. How are you yes. doing that? Basically, I purchased um, a double-sided mounting sheet, one side on your artwork, and then you mount to the other one over the board. Isn't it adhesive? It's um, an adhesive, it's, yes. Okay, adhesive. so is it graphics, double-track graphics. mounting film? Exactly. Is that it? I know, okay. I, have it. I have it in one of my posts. Could you use, like, Yes Paste or something like that? Um, or not? It really, I, I'm not a fan of using anything and a brayer, you know, to could wet uh, the surface. And there's many different reasons. Um, okay. I guess, yes, paste would be acid-free enough, I right. guess. But, you know. Well, it's supposed some, to be, I don't know. Yeah, some of the mediums I use, like, for example, Neocolor 2 are water-soluble. Mm-hmm. So I, I really don't want any, because I don't put water on them, you know, they're really dense, and, and I don't want anything wet coming in contact, even from behind. I got you, because it may change uh, it may, it the may medium change. a little exactly. bit, yeah. So that, that makes sense. for me, 
but otherwise, yes, I think you could use you could use a paste of some kind. There are different kinds that even your framer could suggest. I really like uh, using the double tack uh, mounting mm-hmm. sheet. Uh, it's very strong and. Um, and it holds it in place really well, and there's no. It's yeah, no, it, it it just scares me in my mind. I'm thinking, is that going to buckle though, or is that going no, to? Absolutely. Uh, if anything, the glue will buckle, <laughs> not the mounting sheet. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, it it works really good. Okay. Um, I mount my artwork on uh, cradle boards, and then I varnish them, and that is one other reason to use a surface that's very toothy. And that lets you deposit a lot of pigment. Yeah. You don't want to use a smooth paper where the pigment sits on top. If you're going to not protect your artwork with glass or plexiglass, you want your pigment to really get embedded into that, that grittiness of the surface so that it can stay there. And that is the safest way to show your art without glass. Mm-hmm. For me, I have shown my art to Dano Stone Age without glass in, in the past. I've never had any problem, but um, I know that problems can happen because there's just uh, the pigment sits on top of it. Yeah. There's a little bit, a little bit of uh, texture there, you know, that, mm-hmm. but not as much as uh, something like color fix board. Hmm. And um, I, I've been doing this uh, technique for forever that I can remember. <laughs> I don't have any artwork of mine that is not uh, uh, varnished. And what are you using to varnish? I use two different types of varnishes. I have the golden MSA archival spray varnish with uh, UVLS. Now, that varnish, and it's, I like the gloss. You can use the satin. I suggest not to use matte. Matte um, varnishes and uh, fixatives cause a lot of problems. Anyway, uh, um, so it has, um, you know, ultraviolet light filters and stabilizers. It works like a heavy fixative. It's a very good varnish. I've used it many times. I've never had any problems ever. But be careful if you use, not just with varnish, but also with fixatives. If you use fugitive colors, there are some colors that will react and change. And then after the spray varnish, which is basically a separation layer between the real varnish and the artwork... Then I paint on a golden acrylic polymer varnish, also with UVLS. So they're both protective and light stabilizers. And that's a waterborne um, acrylic varnish, polymer varnish. And it's beautiful. It's uh, pretty easy to paint on if you have a good brush. And uh, you put one layer on. You have to uh, dilute it with a little bit of water. Um, paint it on, wait three hours, paint another layers, and then keep on adding layers until you achieve the glossiness of the type of surface that you want to you want to achieve. I've um, I've shown my art this way pretty much everywhere, and I have to attest 
not to discourage people not to frame with glass, you know, or mm -hmm. plexiglass. That's a beautiful framing technique, and uh, I've seen a beautiful work framed that way with beautiful frames. But my experience at the, the Laguna Beach Festival of Arts, when I was showing, I was the only color pencil artist showing alongside, really, uh, the best acrylic and oil artist uh, in the area. My experience uh, has been that it really did give me an advantage uh, the glassless framing and the presentation of my work. Um, yeah. Along with other factors, um, my art was pretty much viewed at the same level of, uh, you know, more uh, well-known medium and people. Mm -hmm. right. Uh, right. People, see, this was interesting, is that people uh, perceive uh, the art as it appears, you know, and they mm -hmm. they judge, oh, this is probably watercolor or oil or whatever it's a painting it's a drawing and they've always perceived mine as a painting but it was different and they would ask questions and uh, when after we started talking i would tell them oh this is done with color pencils in this technique and they became very interested and uh, fascinated by it so um i think I, that's so cool what is what is the thing that they typically thought about i mean what what medium did they suspect nobody ever guessed ever really in, okay. in two months two months long of festival more than two hundred thousand people wow nobody ever guessed uh not even the artists that because and it's it's not because of that technique it's also because of the presentation. So it's a combination yes. of the two. Right. And, and that really, really worked for me. Um, yeah. I, I'm not telling all color pencils you should do this. You know, do it only if that's what you like. There are just so many different ways. You know? Yeah, no, I agree. But I, I tend to, to side with you on that where just in my own experience in looking at color pencil pieces that are not framed under glass it's when they're not framed behind glass when it's just out there you feel like you're experiencing the art piece more fully there's some relationship that you're having with uh the piece that you don't get if it's framed behind glass uh, yeah I, I tend to agree to that uh, i i like that look other people did too because right. it was a very successful festival uh, for That's me because awesome. I built up a six-year worth of inventory. I've never really sold anything before then. So <laughs> it was just wow. a perfect opportunity to get rid of a lot of stuff. And, and that's when my career as a professional artist really took off at that point. And when was that? That was in 2012. Okay. So it took off uh, because I started having collectors and started sending out newsletters. And that's um, everything, one thing after another one, really became to happen. And it was very satisfying. Mm -hmm. It was great. Of course, Facebook. Facebook was major for me, too, because I started Facebook the year after I did the festival. And that gave me the opportunity to, to have new collectors and keep in touch with my older collectors and 
Oh now, what God. made you decide to, I mean, that's really what most of your artwork is focused around. What yeah, drew you to the bright Well, it's, it's very simple. My father really nurtured my love for nature. And we spent all his free time in uh, the wilderness of the Italian Dolomites. He really, he was a teacher, taught me the names of the flowers, the birds, the rocks, the fossils. I, st- I had major collections back then. It's something that stayed in me. That's what I'm fascinated. Uh, rocks, flowers, water. Water is always, it's really the, the, the element that unifies all my work, you know. Yeah. But uh, and, and mostly I like the inter- to study the interaction between the solid and the fluid. Those two, I, I thought that. So. You know what I found to be so interesting, too, is you recently posted a photo on Facebook of some of your reference photos, and they are not as bright as I would not expect them to be. You are taking nice photos I, and making them just these amazing, bold colors. I was yeah. really surprised at the difference there. Oh, yes. I, the, the, my photos look nothing like my original art. Uh, I'm not really a good photographer. I, I just take a lot of shots, as many as I can. You know, uh-huh. and, and then uh, when I go home, uh, you know, you, you just have to look for something promising. Like uh, maybe it might be just like a little part of a photograph. Uh, and will you find, uh, you know, an interesting uh, movement of the water or perhaps uh, a composition that really stands out. And, and that's, that's when I play in Photoshop. I really work with balancing out all the different colors. For me, it's very, very important because I I use very bright colors. But there is something about when you have a lot of bright colors together and and you get a little turned off. So for me, it's important to always create a balance. I put a lot of blues in it, even though there's oranges and yellow. And I change a lot of colors of pebbles because sometimes I don't like the grouping. So, oh, you're red. I don't want you. I want you blue. Whatever. (laughs) So I'm having fun with that. I just got to say, too, that your artwork and your galleries is just so accessible, too. You can see everything so well. Oh. Blow it up and see these larger images of everything. It's so nice. You know, it's been done quite a few years ago, so I think it, it needs to be updated a little bit soon. But uh, You're light years ahead of, of many oh, folks wow. right yes. now. It's <laughs> really, really done well. I'm the least technical person in the world. So. These flowers and water, this gallery has just got me just mesmerized. I mean, this is incredible. Yeah, These I, colors are, like you said, I love this balance. It, it's You yeah. do have this consistency uh, with the color palette here. It's just so nice. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. I do have to say that um, English and Italian are not my main languages, really. It, it's, I always say art is my main language, and especially colors. It, it's a... It's very instinctive to me, and I appreciate that. And that I try obvious. to remember that when I can't talk or, or babble <laughs> or just say the wrong thing. But uh, This one uh, called In the Pink, you've got such a distinctive style, and you've brought it to this level. That oh, I appreciate just... it very much. Um, I remember that piece. I was trying to experiment with the off focus, you know, with the focus on my camera. So it's a a little different than my usual, but believe it or not, the flower 
is in water also. <laughs> no. mm-hmm. I think uh, all of my flowers are um, trying to, maybe the first the first two are not. But yeah, It looks that, like it's in, in yeah. water, I mean, because of the water bubbles around it. I, yeah. Other than that, I, awesome. I dunk, dunk everything in water. <laughs> I, ha- <laughs> I have a, a, a fish tank in the backyard, and that's where I spend my time, believe it or not. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. <laughs> I also have inflatable pools, you know, where, you know, of different sizes, depending yeah. on h- how I want to study my subject. And, and there I put them, and, and people, there's a, like a horse trail that's high, high up and and they can look down and see me in my backyard inside a pool with rocks <laughs> flowers everywhere a camera i mean really weird <laughs> <laughs> but my neighbors are used to so what is a tip that you would give to a new colored pencil artist technique wise mm-hmm. and the second would be what business advice could you give to a new artist who is working to build their career in, career in art the tip that i would give to a beginner color pencil artist is to really get to know their medium you know the beginning part of color pencil is when you really want to get some books look online see what other artists are doing Try different things. This is a time that you should not be afraid to try and see what fits your style, what fits your, uh, you know, hand. Don't be afraid to try things out because eventually you will get to a point where you will come up with your own unique style and technique. It gets easier and easier at that point to put walls you know, around yourself and just that. And also it's a necessity sometimes. If you get if you are, get to be known by a certain look and a certain style, then uh, most of the time you continue to do that. Uh, but the, the beginner artist, it's, it's just such a great thing to explore. Take some workshops. Yes, I would do that. I did that. I did that myself. I actually took workshops. Even though I know the kind of look that I wanted, I purposely took workshops from artists that had a completely different look that I was working toward. Just because I wanted to broaden the possibility. Even though I knew what I wanted, I still wanted to know what all the possibilities are out there. So develop your skills. And nowadays, you don't have to go to school. You can take a workshop, go online, uh, watch Lisa's uh, tutorials. <laughs> and, and that's just great. Now, regarding the business of being an artist, is that what you asked me? Yes. I, I tip, yes. I would say don't focus too much only on one thing because... We need to stay flexible in this business. Sometimes things change. And we need to try different things and see what works for our type of art. So uh, maintain a certain type of flexibility and try different things at different levels. Local exhibitions, competitions, maybe national ones, maybe art fairs. Artists associations are just a major place to find support for artists that are beginning. So a multi-pronged approach would be the best at the beginning. 
And then eventually, I think you'll get to know exactly what seems to work better than others. Like, for example, I don't do galleries. It's not that I might never do them, but it hasn't really been necessary for me so far. But it's a good place to start if you find a good gallery where your art fits. Then do that. Um, But, you know, another thing, we have a tendency to give so much importance to talent. Oh, I'm not talented enough. Oh, look how talented he is, how talented somebody else is. But really, uh, talent to me is overrated. Hard work, it's one of the most important factors in art as it is in any other aspect of life. If you really think about it, you know, the, the idea of this artist with vision who's strange and blah, 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 it's really like a modern concept because if you look back at the Renaissance, for example, artists were really craftsmen. They had their the little store, you know, and the uh, they had all the people that worked for them, or what are they called? Mm-hmm. The people that learn Apprentice. apprentices. Yeah. These apprentices would go there sometimes. They were maybe very young. They knew nothing about art. Some of them ended up being amazing artists themselves. Right. You know, it's like, I, th- I think we really overrate talent. And I think it's very scary for a beginner, a beginner because... The tendency is to think, I'm not talented enough. No, you haven't worked hard enough. Really good advice. Yeah, Yeah. it is. I love that. If I look at my drawings when I was a little girl, they're just nothing special. Yeah, exactly. I I wasn't any better than any of the other kids. Me neither. I liked it. You know, that's really hard work can compensate for talent. It's about hard work, and don't concern yourself with that, you know. Right. Just just draw, draw, and draw some more. Don't concern your, about yourself about finding your voice, you know. I know you guys mentioned that in other podcasts, but, you know, your voice was never lost. It just takes time for it <laughs> to come out, you know. Just, That's great. <laughs> it's, it's there, but it takes a lot of work, and it will come out on its own. You are a unique human being. There's no way that anybody will do what you can do. Develop your skills and, and your fundamentals, even if you're a color pencil artist, believe it or not. It's very important to know some basics about art, um, you know, compositions and color, balance and design. But don't go overboard. Because I think some people have a tendency to become so intellectual about all of this. I think once you know the basic concepts, I think the best way is to apply them as you're working. Then you're really, really going to understand them, especially when you make mistakes. Don't be afraid to make mistakes. That's how you grow. That's it. That's how you grow as an artist. I look back at some of my work and I look at the mistakes I made it and I I feel the sense of fondness for them because, you know, those mistakes are, are what made me a better artist now. Yeah. We like to think that artists are mysterious, but at the end of the story, we're just developing a passion, following our passion mm-hmm. and learning. 
how to develop it and, and how to do the best with that in the language of art, which is a visual language. Musicians do the same thing with music. And I don't think we're special beings. I think we just like to do what we like to do. <laughs> right. I love that. You know, I think it's so important for artists, especially, you know, after you have some accomplishments, to be generous and kind, you know, to your fellow artists, especially the people that are beginning or struggling. Mm -hmm. They look up to you, you know, that's very important. You know, I think you see accomplished arts and artists going in two directions. They either become aloof, they don't want to talk to anybody, or then you see the other ones that are that are very generous and and they share what they have learned and they help right. other artists. I do that because I was helped myself. Yes, yeah, and I was I, too. I appreciate it tremendously, and I still do. Um, and I think that that's one thing very important that we need to, to remember. Everybody, we were all right. a beginner at one point, yep. and um, I don't know how close we are to the finish. When when I feel like I'm not accomplishing enough, I have a little piece of paper that's, you know, scotch taped on my computer screen on the side. And it's a passage from uh, Archbishop Oscar Romero. And this is what he says. We accomplish in our lifetime only a tiny fraction of the magnificent enterprise that is God's work. Nothing we do is complete. We cannot do everything. And there is a sense of liberation in realizing that. This enables us to do something and to do it well. Mm, I that love that. great. That's beautiful. I read it almost every day. But especially mm. when I feel stuck, you know, when mm -hmm. I feel like, oh, I'm not accomplishing what I want to. Or I that feel like a failure. Yeah, and that kind of feeling can permeate, I think, an artist um, more so than a lot of people because we work alone so often. So much. Yes, you're yeah. right. Yeah, you're so right. I think one thing, too, that a lot of artists will like to hear, because most of our listeners are going to have already known who you were, uh, the great Esther Roy feels uh, doubt. I just want to throw it out, that out yeah, there. Like, exactly. all I, I believe it or not. <laughs> I should call my husband to talk to you about that. <laughs> but it's helpful He's, to realize, you know, it's not just us. When we get to where we're beating ourselves up, you've got to realize all of us feel that way from time to oh, time. That is a oh, normal right. emotion. Right. We, we all do. We all do. Just part of the journey, you know. And also, you know, the learning process, it's not, it's not like one step and the next is higher and higher and higher. It's not. It doesn't no, always yeah. work that way, you know? Sometimes you take a step forward, and sometimes you take one back, and sometimes you take two forward. So we need to be patient with ourselves. And, and at the same time, we need to enjoy the journey because, you know, this journey of ours of being an artist, it's really going to last our lifetime. Mm -hmm. It's, mm -hmm. it's, it's going to be here with us forever. Right. So we need to enjoy it. That's that's how I feel. Oh, and there's way to enjoy it. Put a swing in your studio. <laughs> <laughs> For those of you who don't know, she's not kidding. She has a swing in her studio. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Oh, my gosh. <laughs>
Thank you so much. Yes, Esther, thank you very much for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you. Goodbye, then. All right, we'll talk to you later. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. As always, the show notes will be over there at sharpenedartist.com slash podcast, and we'll have links to everything that we talked about, including Esther Roy's website and the website for her Icarus board. And she did supply us with uh, three separate coupon codes. If you'd like to go ahead and pick up one of the Icarus boards that come in the small, large, or the Icarus painting board. And she's got coupon codes set up for our listeners. Those coupon codes are available in the show notes. And you better hurry up with that because you only have till September 30th of this year to get that purchase complete. All right. We want to thank you very much for joining us again today. And if you haven't done this in a while, uh, go ahead and tell someone else about the show and or consider giving us a rating and review over on iTunes. We would really appreciate that. And we will talk to you again next week. Bye. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. All the show notes can be found at www.sharpenedartist.com. If you would like to... <laughs> if you're fixing to pick up an Icarus board... I've not heard your, your southern accent or grammar come out that severe in a while. It's past 10 o'clock. It comes out after 10 p.m. <laughs> See, John, you should have chosen me first. Uh, I don't don't know. (laughs) She always gets hung up on that, Esther. Yeah, I'm never going to let him live that down. She wasn't, huh? Oh, I had no idea. Uh, She she won't let anyone forget that, especially me. But I didn't. I was talking a whole lot here. I I noticed you guys weren't responding. I had my mute on. I was like, okay. Peaceful, and we were having such a nice conversation, and then you have to go and unmute yourself. Oh, that's funny. Funny. Boy, I had a lot of clever things I was saying. Tell me. (laughs) The Icarus drawing board. Do that again. You just sounded like the biggest redneck. If you want to go oh, ahead what did and pick I say? you up. Pick you up. Did I say that? I did, didn't I? <laughs> that was terrible. <laughs> oh, it was.